Welcome to everyone once again. Here is Claudia from Nourished by Claudia, founder of the Recover from HA Support Group and the Period Comeback Protocol with my partner in crime, uh, hashtag HA Dream Team, Jake Cameron, founder of the uh, It's a Mindset podcast, and she's the mindset coach of the Period Comeback Protocol and personal trainer, podcaster and everything, and one of my closest friends as well. So welcome, Jade. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so great. And I'm so glad we're doing a part two of this this episode or this recording, because just like you, I had so many questions and feedback from our first chat. I feel like it kind of inspired a whole new kind of realm of thoughts that at least we can sort of dive into today and then see if that helped kind of close off the chapter of what that 2,500 calories is a magic number means, or if it, if it creates more questions, and then we can kind of continue to evolve this special topic yeah i agree with you fully so last time we the question is is 2500 calories the magic number and last time we just broke it down and we um we basically come up with a with the way that we look at it and it's that maybe 2500 calories is enough for some people but not for everyone and it really depends on the back history um gender level of activity age and so on and so forth um, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to actually direct the first question at you if I could, because I know this is so common, which is the, but I'm hitting my 25, 2,500 calories and nothing's happening. There's no weight fluctuations. My energy is the same. Like I'm still not getting cervical mucus. Pretty much nothing is being ticked off, but I'm hitting the number. And what are your thoughts on women that are, hitting this this number but they're not getting any kind of physiological responses from it is that mean that they should hold steady or does it mean they should be investigating more and perhaps boosting those calories up hmm. well if we reverse the question in a language that in a language that all the people that suffer from hypothalamic amenorrhea possibly really understand is what if i'm eating 1200 calories every single day and i'm not losing weight what shall i do Shall I increase? Shall I reduce? Right? You don't stick to the same amount if you don't see the results. And it's the same thing with the 2,500 calories. It's a, if you have tried it for a few, few months and you're not seeing any results, you're not seeing any cervical mucus changes, if you're not noticing anything really relevant to the chair recovery journey, my question would be, how are you eating those calories? which type of foods are you allowing yourself to have every single day at what time of the day and what are you doing with your um with your life in general meaning um are you working full-time are you working part-time do you feel that you're quite stressed out or do you have a very relaxing life are you sleeping well at night do you feel sleep deprived and of of course are you exercising or not because that could change the old equation and if I had to ask you the same question, what would you answer to a woman that has been trying to get the period back, has been hitting the 2,500 calories number for a long period of time without seeing results? What, what would it be your consideration? I would definitely be suggesting an increase in a way that still feels comfortable for them to pursue because accommodating to the emotions that come with it. And I feel like because that 2,500 has been out there for so long, it's kind of a false 
perception that if you're doing that, then everything must be on track. So I understand that there might be resistance to then saying, oh, well, maybe you need to hit 3,000 and the person going, well, that's not what the book says. That's not what the website says. That's not what this blog says or this girl or this woman, all this kind of things implodes. But when that starts to happen, it's also important to remember that it's the disorder kicking up the fuss. It's not your true healthy self. Right. So it's okay to hear this information and feel a lot of resistance because at the end of the day, a conversation, you know, we have with many of our clients is your eating disorder wants to live on, right? It, it wants to have its presence in your mind. So as soon as you throw anything at it, that's going to challenge it, it's going to scream really, really loud. So another question that I guess you could ask if that is something that's happening is that, if you're on the pursuit of health, why is it that health makes the ED voice scream louder? And is that a positive voice to be listening to or is the truth something to be listening to? Mm. And also considering the ED voice, if someone comes to me and say, I've been hitting 2,500 calories every single day, First of all, I'm going to question, how is that even possible? Because in a normal life, some days uh, you're going to have 2,200 calories and uh, on a second day, you may have 2,800, right? So mm -hmm. that 2,500 seems very mechanical and very regimented. So that will be also one of the questions. And the second one, how do you know? Are you tracking? Are you measuring? Mm -hmm. What's going on underneath? And is that creating even more stress to an already stressful uh, time of your life? And on top of it, what about your hunger cues? Mm. I, I have women that come to me and they're like, I'm eating more than 2,000 and I'm ravenous. Or I'm, I'm still very hungry, but I don't allow myself to have, an ex, to have an extra meal or an extra snack at the end of the day because... I shouldn't have another one because I've already hit the caloric mm. intake. I've already had the three meals and the three snacks, but I'm still hungry and I don't deserve that I need any extra food. And I think that's something that we really need to break down here, Jade. And I would like to get your wise words, especially on this topic. What would you say to someone that say, I've had the three meals, I've had the three snacks, I'm still quite packaged. I'm thinking about food. I'm hungry, but I don't deserve it because I've I've gone through my allowance for the day. What would you say? Well, and I love that you've brought this to the forefront because it's so common. Um, I think it's a conversation we have almost on the daily with women. Um, but it's really important to remember, one, what you need in order to recover isn't necessarily what you need forever. Right, because some women go, oh my gosh, if I have to have 3,000 or 4,000, I can't live like that. And two elements of that is one, you might not actually need to. And two, by the time you're recovered, you won't think the way you think now, right? Because you're not sort of riddled by that fear or that fear of weight gain or change or, or just stepping away from numbers. So there's two kind of variations in that, that reality. But the other thing I like to suggest to women is, one, if we're trying to trust our body's inner wisdom, which the reality is if we trust that wisdom, we will start cycling again. Because as much as we want to believe my fitness pal or those calorie counting apps have the best intentions for us, nothing beats our bodies in a dialogue, right? I eat no period. It's screaming at us, something is off. And if you're eating 2,500 and you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry all of the time, or perhaps you can't stop having in a dialogue about food, 
like, oh, well, I just had my breakfast. It's three hours till lunch and maybe I want to have this or what should I have for dinner? But if I have, you know, there's that constant chatter. That's also a hunger cue because I think that kind of gets swept under the rug. It needs to be like a stomach pain or a growling. And it's not. If you can't stop thinking about food, your brain's making that happen because it wants you to eat. So it's like, come on, I'm waving the flag here. Let's go. And what I like to bring to the forefront is how would it feel if you experimented with even just breakfast and discovering what it takes to actually feel full so that you might experience two hours not having active commentary about food, right? So we're not stepping into feeling full after breakfast, after a snack, after lunch. After, no, not, not going down that path yet, like super beginner baby steps. How would it feel to just have two hours of freedom where you can focus on work, you can focus on your friendships, you can focus on meditating or whatever it might be. And so many women don't know how good it feels to have a clear mind because they've forgotten what it feels like to not think about food Mm. because it's become so normal. And I do find if most women create the space for that experience, they come back and go, oh, that was great. Like I actually felt full and then I just, I didn't think about food at all. Right, because how many women, and I'm sure you speak to these ladies as well, are so exhausted about thinking of food. I don't want to think about my next meal. I don't want to think about a snack. I don't want to think about my calorie count. Like I'm so sick of it. And it's like, well, the solution to it is is fueling because then it'll your brain will release. It'll let go. Uh, it's really important what you just described because lots of women that come to work with us and they decide to join the Czech community and the program that we run together, they, they come to us with the idea of wanting to reach food freedom. So food freedom is a place away from thinking about food all the time, away from calorie counting, tracking, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And so they, they are starting from a place of I'm tracking, I'm very rigid when it comes to my food choices. And they have this idea of food freedom that it's not, it doesn't even make that much sense in their head. They don't really know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So as you said, like starting from a, a step number one, trying to feel full just for one meal a day can actually give them an idea of what it feels like to be completely present with their, um, in their career, in their relationship and in their life in general, or even if they're still active, what it feels like to uh, go to the gym with a full belly. The amount of um, joy that you can get from an exercise routine with a full belly, it's completely different um, from when you you go in a faster state. I'm not explaining this very well, but also I would like to add that for some women, trialing breakfast and changing breakfast can be quite tricky because then for the rest of the day, they can overthink their food choices. So something else that they could do is actually with that sense of fullness just before going to sleep. So they don't have the extra pressure or overthinking their food choices uh, for the whole day, basically. Um, Would that be something that you would recommend to one of your clients? Yeah, honestly, path of least resistance. I feel like the the trick to anything in HA recovery or ED recovery is working out the perfect blend of the task is challenging enough that you're kind of excited to do it, 
but it's not too challenging that you go, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow because it never happens. But if the challenge is too easy, you also won't do it because it's like, oh, what's the point? There's nothing actually in it. So whenever you're deciding what your next step is to, to heal or improve or restore your health, it's really treading that fine line of it feels kind of a bit exciting, exhilarating, challenging. There's something like there's a bit of an emotional response to it, but not too much. And when yeah. you find that sweet spot, it becomes a lot more motivating to find the sweet spot again and again, because you also start to build the confidence that you actually can set out to do the tasks that you plan to do. Because I think the biggest hindrance of women in HA recovery is they read something, they hear something, they're told something that sounds good, but they're not ready for it. So they set themselves up to do it and then they don't do it. And they go, see, this isn't for me. Can't be done. It's a no. And it's like, no, you took step five when you're actually at step one or you jump to step 10 and you're at step three. There's nothing wrong with whatever stage you're at, but you've got to be quite strategic with this, the progressions you're making and not just going for like shiny object syndrome of like, oh, that looks like a good one. That looks like a good one. It, it needs more strategy and it needs a lot more thought than that. Yeah. And it's the nail in the head because that's also the approach that we have with women. We all know about the 2,500 calories, not exercising to get the period back, but we work slightly differently, meaning that we always start from where the woman is at and then we work through the path of least resistance. And it's all about building trust, building trust that you can actually engage in new actions and create new habits without getting completely bananas, basically. Yeah. Um, but also I would like to address something else that you said, because if we flip it, some women that have a great appetite and finally when they hear that they can eat more than 2000 calories a day they're like sign me up i'm up for it and that's the excuse that i was looking for but other women they really do struggle in terms of increasing their caloric intake because they they haven't really had an appetite for many years the digestive system isn't working properly. And for them, it's a massive effort even to have a proper breakfast in the morning. And when they decide to recover, they, uh, they are coming from a place of, I'm afraid of the symptoms that I get after eating. 2,500 calories is like double what I'm currently having and I'm already having the digestive issues. And um, it, I don't think that I can do it. So in that situation, and I know that we have worked with so many women in that specific condition, but where would you start? Well, and also accommodating to we also went through that personally. So yeah. we understand that there's that element of someone telling you what to do because theoretically it's the right thing to do and talking to someone who's actually lived it and know how uncomfortable and debilitating it can feel because it can't help but trigger you to think this has to be wrong, right? If I was helping myself, I would feel better. I would not feel worse. And it's a valid thought. It makes sense when you say it out loud, but leaning into it really is where the healing happens, which at the beginning you just go, but no, there's so much resistance. But in those situations, I think it's really important to 
lean into the fact of knowing that where you're at now, even though where you need to progress to feels a bit scary, you're also not that happy with where you're at right now. Like most women that are on a thousand calories a day, they don't feel that great or they know something's off or perhaps their digestion's awful. Like uh, I know me personally, I was down to very minimal foods I could eat without bloating. Like I couldn't even eat broccoli or cauliflower without my stomach just going. And it was all because I had undereaten for so long that I kind of had nothing left. The digestive enzymes and my gut processing was just not efficient. So some part of it is witnessing that the way to progress forward is to lean into it and being quite strategic with food choices. And that's where you are so perfect when it comes to working with women, because rather than kind of guessing how to add more calories in or simply going, oh, I'll just add in the peanut butter. I'll just add in olive oil. You can actually guide women to going, okay, well, we know this is happening with the digestion. We know you're scared, but if we're going to increase, here's the best way for you to do it with minimal discomfort. Mm. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. And uh, there are some women that come and they have proper intolerances, but most of the women that are work with that they manage to work through all their intolerances by the end of the chair recovery process mm. and all it took it was to take care of the gut microbiome and the digestive tract really and obviously as i said you can play with some uh, with different foods and different timing of meals just to help that process and also there are some supplements and other tricks that can come to play and they are all different depending on the woman that we're working with because if there was a cookie cutter solution, we wouldn't be here, right? <laughs> but instead, we take every single situation as it is, and we work with that woman, for, um, and, and we just focus on the goals that that specific woman has. Now, there is the elephant in the room, okay? There is one particular uh, fear that lots of women have when they decide to get the period back and even to work with us or oh, that's at least the fear that I normally hear the most when I speak with women the very first time and it's the fear of binging so mm -hmm. I've been restricting myself for such a long time I am very fearful if um, if I have to increase my calories I'm gonna end up binging in a very short amount of time or I'm gonna start eating and I'm not gonna be able to stop and both of us I gone through the chair recovery process we have different experiences of what it felt like and what it, it was like and lots of our women in the HA community have gone through the chair recovery process now what would you say to that how would you address that fear of going from restriction to binging yeah, so for different women, I take different processes and it's very much dependent on where they've been, where they are right now, where they want to be. Uh, and a big reason for that is, as an example, uh, when I was dieting everything, I had a, a phase of bulimia and then I corrected that with fasting, right? Because you can't, it's hard to make things happen if you've got nothing in your stomach, right? So I kind of healed one disorder with creating a new disorder. But then when I started to, learn about HA and learn to eat more. I wasn't just terrified of binging. I was scared of going back to becoming a bulimic because that was one of the worst times of my life was being bulimic. Um, so sometimes in those situations, even though what's promoted <coughs> is spontaneous eating and freedom and let go and just eat whatever you feel like, I think that kind of feeds the fear of binging 
So with some women, I actually suggest to them to be strategic with their, their meal sizes. So let's say they want to be able to have some nuts or some chips or, um, or a sandwich or it, it can be any kind of food rather than just going, all right, I'm going to buy a big bag of nuts and just start eating. Grab the bag of nuts, get some snap lock bags and break them in into a couple of different serving sizes right? And some might hear that and go, yeah, but then I'm restricting. And it's, and it's not about the fact that you're restricting. It's more if you're terrified that you can't stop, you really need to prove to yourself that you can have a little bit and you can walk away, right? And then as you become more confident with that, you might go, well, I've had my little snack block bag of nuts, but oh, my taste buds are tingling. I really want a little bit more. And you might have a conversation with yourself and go, you know, I think I'm ready to give myself a little bit more. And then you might have a second snap block bag or just half a snap block bag. But there's a bit of magic in that process because you kind of got your training wheels on by catering to a portion size. But then when the training wheels come off, you might buy a bag of nuts a couple of weeks later and you can just reach in and have a couple of handfuls and put the bag away and be done because you've proven to yourself that you can control you've proven to yourself that this beast isn't going to be released because if you have experienced a binge, it does feel like something takes over your mind and it's just like this monster and it is quite scary. Um, so I'm quite empathetic to women who have experienced that and are afraid of it coming back or they're just afraid of the binge full stop. Um, but I do like setting boundaries with things at the start if that's sort of the fear that they've had. Or I also encourage women, if perhaps it's a meal they're eating out with friends or family, like I want to go have burgers, right? But I'm scared I'm going to eat the whole thing. It's like, well, perhaps pick a time and a good uh, group of people to be with, knowing that if you have half the burger, you're happy. If you have the whole burger, you're happy. But once you leave the restaurant, perhaps you want to go for a little walk. Perhaps you want to take a long drive home so you can listen to some music, distract yourself, feel good about the process rather than kind of going into the experience being like, what happens if I eat the whole lot? What happens if this and overdoing it? Actually be prepared for the meal you're going to order, what your expectation is and have boundaries at the start to practice, build your confidence up until you literally just order a meal one day and you'll stop whenever you're finished, whether that be half the serving, all of the serving, it doesn't matter. But you've got to prove to yourself you can do it. Um, sorry, I've been waffling for ages about this topic. <laughs> the other thing that's really important is if you know it's a food that you particularly feel bingy on, if that's a, a term you want to use, it can be helpful to pick one of your more safe and comfortable foods that's more filling. So you've had a decent sized brekkie, you've had a decent sized lunch, dinner, whatever it is, and then have the other food to sort of peck on or, or test out because you're not going into it ravenous. Because if you're going into a novel food, and I say novel because you don't normally allow yourself to have it, and you're really, really hungry, it's completely human of you and not disordered to want to eat the whole lot, right? And it's how many times of, oh, I don't know, if you've got, <laughs> I'm going to pick on the boys here, but like a teenage brother or a dad that's a tradie and they've been out all day, they've barely eaten a thing, they will go to the pantry and they will eat like a whole bag of chips or they'll eat like half a loaf of bread or because they haven't eaten all day and the first thing they see, they're like, nom, 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 right? And they don't turn around and go, oh, I just had a binge. 
they just go, oh, I'm finally full, all right? That they've got a good relationship with food where they're just going to whatever they need to feel full. But knowing that it's quite human to have more than what's deemed a single serve when you're really hungry. Yeah. And uh, as you pointed out, it's all about trial and error because one thing that maybe worked for a woman is not going to work for another woman. And I went through, I went from anorexia to bulimia. And I remember that there were some foods that really, and some emotions, obviously, uh, it was all about emotions at the end of the day. They really triggered a binge. And back at the time, I didn't have any education on the topic. And when I realized that both my disorder came from a place of restriction, it all started to make sense. And to me, for example, was the cereal box. I kept telling myself, I cannot be trusted if there are cereals in the house. So first of all, when you tell your brain that you cannot be trusted, my wishes, my command. <laughs> okay, if you don't trust your stuff, I'm going to prove to you that definitely yeah. you can around this box of cereals so the first step was actually allowing myself to have the cereal in the house and the step number two was allowing myself to have them daily in a very safe container so maybe as he said I would have the box of cereal a box a bowl of cereals and then I will reward myself back then was by watching sex and city such a soft spot for that show oh my god um and then otherwise it was about going out with a friend but there was always a buffer time where after I had finished the, my the cereal I could actually engage in uh, in something else so mm-hmm. I was distracted move on and yeah it moved on with the rest of my life and obviously it wasn't a, a straight line I definitely found myself allowing way too many bowls of cereals that I was comfortable with especially in the beginning but at the end of the day and in a very short period of time I managed to go from I'm afraid of cereals I cannot be trusted around them to have them in the house have them whenever I wanted them have them while standing in the kitchen or inside a bowl because it didn't matter it really didn't matter and the way that I normally talk to women is about thinking that you're so normally what I say to client is that the binge restricting cycle is like driving a car and getting into a roundabout. And instead of picking and choosing an exit, you keep going round and round and round the circle. And then after a while, you get really tired, really bored, or you feel really nauseous and you are sick of it. So sometimes it's all about picking and choosing one exit instead of another. And if one exit doesn't work because uh, it's pretty bumpy, then it's all about choosing another option. And the best way to actually tackle this is with the right support, with the professional support like Jade and I. We have gone through this on our skin. And that's what we do as well every single day with all the women that uh, work with us. And it's, um, but just to go back to, to the first question is, what is going to happen if I start binging? I increase my caloric intake and then I find myself binging. And I think that it's really important, Jade, to, um, to talk about what it means to binge and how it's different compared to eating enough, especially mm-hmm. as part of the recovery journey. Yeah, because the, 
and I think that term binge has gotten lost within the fitness kind of socials because now they'll be like, oh, I had a binge and they could have just had a meal that's a little bit bigger than normal or they had something that's more processed than what they'd normally eat. But the reality is if you unfortunately have had a binge episode, it does feel like something just takes over your mind and you've, you know, you lose kind of bearings on reality and it's a whirlwind of kind of almost like a, an anxiety attack with this numbness but with overfeeling it's it's a bizarre thing um but it's also very common for women to eat an amount normal larger than what they would normally eat or eat an amount that's more than what the packet says is one serving and then they think they've had a binge because it's more than what the packet says right so like the nuts I always go back to nuts I think it's because it's something I used to actually have episodes with but um, if you look at a serving of nuts, depending on the brand or the bag, a serving of nuts could be like four nuts, right? Because they want it to show as a lower calorie serve where nuts are quite calorie dense, right? And that's why we love them. They're wonderful. So all of a sudden you might have a handful and then you've read the back of the packet and gone, oh my goodness, I've just had like a binge on nuts. And you haven't, you've just had whatever felt good for your system or whatever it needed to be full, but rather than you validating your experience by what you needed in that moment, which could have been two handfuls of nuts, you've diminished it because of some plastic that has different numbers on it, right? And it's important to remember that really your serving size is navigated by what your body needs in order to feel full in that moment, knowing that you might have one day where you need an exceptionally large lunch because that's just what your body needs, but then at dinner time, it balances out. You're not that hungry. So you still have something. So you got to have dinner. But then you go, oh, okay, but it feels different. We, we kind of believe that if we let these foods in or we increase our calorie count, every single meal will be a binge. But that's our disordered self-talking, right? It's more common that a woman might describe an eating experience being a volume that feels uncomfortable to then go on and go, okay, I had feelings of guilt, discomfort, but for the rest of the day, I wasn't that hungry or for the rest of the day, I had smaller portions because it balances out. But it's it's a more evolved process to get to the point where you can have a big serve, be okay with it and adjust sort of throughout the day. And I think what you said emotionally is really important too because a lot of the time if we've made foods forbidden, it creates that kind of like enticing effect of, well, if I'm going to have it now, I better make it count, right? Because I'm never going to have it again. I'm not going to have it again for a month or for the rest of the year or indefinitely. So of course you're going to be like, oh, I'll have a little bit more because I'm not having it tomorrow. I'll have a little bit more because I'm not having it tomorrow. Versus you flip the switch and go, well, what happens if I'm the person who just has a little bit every day? What's that feel like? Because if you're going to have like a whole bag of something, right, in one day, versus having that whole bag over four days, your body still consumed it. Like it, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But it does feel a lot nicer to go, oh, I'm going to have some today. That's really yummy. Oh, good. I'm going to have some tomorrow. And I'm going to have some tomorrow. And I'm going to have some tomorrow. And like you described, often the foods we feel are really novel and like, oh, I can't believe I'm going to have that. But once you've had exposure to them consistently, you don't care for them much anymore. Yeah, because right? you know, like the cereal every day, you might have been like, I'm going to have the cereal. I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of all these things. 
And then at some point you would have picked up the box and gone, oh, I just don't feel like cereal today. And it happens all the time. Yeah, because they, they become just food without a moral value, without being good or bad. Yeah. Uh, the food that you can have if you want them to, they're not on a pedestal and they're not going to change your day. And if I can give only one advice to women that are following this today, is that if you find yourself eating a little bit too much than you normally do or having a binge as, a, as you described it, don't compensate. Don't enter no. Because that's what rejigs the cycle. You you cut back to make up for what you did. You're setting yourself up for another one. Yeah, you go back into the roundabout. Yeah, you've got to just, it happened. I'm okay. Everything's going to be okay. Message Claudia. Message me. Message someone who understands what you're going through and just chip away at the rest of your day. Because you actually stop the binge if you take that process. Because actually that's probably another thing we should highlight too. As soon as you start to feel properly, those intense feelings of hunger go away, which is why women come to us going, I can't stop thinking about food. It's like always on my mind. And then right around the time when they start to actually recover their period, enjoy the relationship with food, they go, oh my gosh, I accidentally missed lunch. I didn't mean it. I was just having such a good time and I I was out walking around or I don't know, traveling or I was at work and then all of a sudden I felt a little gurgle in my tummy and thought oh oh my goodness you know I normally have lunch an hour ago but it's a very playful fun experience they were literally satisfied up until the point where they went oh gosh it's time for lunch and it was fun versus when's lunch I can't wait to get lunch and it just goes on and on and it's so exhausting we um we had a woman in the community join only a month ago so very recently never had a cake for 10 years never had a period for more than a decade and uh we had the same conversation and then she came to me last week and it was she sent me a picture of her having a cake and she told me also i'm having half of the cake because i know that there is going to be cake tomorrow and even the next day if i really wanted to So she went from a place of, I'm not going to do this recovery thing because I'm going to be binging and I can't have cake because it's a bad food and that's something that is going to trigger a binge, um, to I'm having cake. And it's available Mm. every single day of my life. So if I don't want to finish the old jar or the old old cake, that's absolutely fine because I can come back to it tomorrow Mm -hmm. and I earn it. I don't need to do anything after having the cake. I can simply continue my day. Mm-hmm. and that's what we do in the period comeback protocol in the Czech community it's a yes okay we like everyone else's we speak about the importance of training you are also a personal trainer I speak important the, I speak about the importance of nourishment I'm a nutrition and dietetic consultant but I think that the, our biggest job is actually building trust and uh, create new neuroplastic uh, pathways mm-hmm. that um, to help women overcome their peers and their anxiety around food the training and definitely body image as well yeah and I'm going to super quickly give a shout out to our ladies in our group and then I promise I won't say any more because like a really good example of building the trust having a lot of education um having progressions last week we had a group call that was all about calorie counting right and calorie counting is a topic that has been covered before right there was no there was nothing especially I guess, magic about the conversation, but 
what the conversation resulted in, I'm pretty sure six, maybe seven of our women are not calorie counting every second day of the week. Yeah. All six of them just went, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Right. There was no force. There was no, you must, there's a challenge for the week. You're kicked out of the group. There was nothing. We had a very open conversation. We discussed small steps, how we feel about it, what we're afraid of, um, you know, all the good stuff. And then we, I, I posted the video, set out a few little tasks that we set out and the ripple effect of it was all these women going, yeah, I'm ready. It's my time. It's not going to be a perfect dismount of calorie counting, but they're on their way because they've set out this goal and they're on the pursuit of it. And it's really special. Well, there are two of them that stopped calorie counting completely. They started uh, cutting down the days. And then on the following group calls, yeah. they decided to stop completely. And we're yeah. talking about women that have used calorie counting for, for more than a decade. And also to clarify as well, when we say not calorie counting, it doesn't mean not using the app and counting in your head because that was part of our conversation. They're not counting. They're not counting. We've created strategies that as soon as they go to do the mental arithmetic, they're like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go do painting by numbers. I'm going to go call my mom. I'm going to go play with the dog, right? So they're not just not using an app. They're stopping. It's yeah. done. And they're letting their partners cook them dinners. They're letting their friends cook them dinners because they've given up. They don't need to count anymore. That excites me so much. And uh, I think that that's one of the magical things that happen in the community. And for all the people that are curious and want to join us or want to hear more about the Czech community in the period comeback protocol, drop us a note. That's yeah. all you have chat. Um, There's no pressure. Just have chat. I'm curious. And then uh, we can chat. Uh, at the moment, the community, it's a, it's a thriving place. And we have so many women that are part of it. And we are looking for just one more woman to start uh, towards the end of June. So if you want to join us now, send us a DM so we can um, grab a spot for you and you can get ready and prepared so that you can join us. Yeah, jump on the bandwagon. Um, it's fun. HFM. <laughs> <laughs> All right, EJ. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. And I'm looking forward to having you back next month and to continue our conversation in the HA community. Yes, it's going to be great. Can't wait. Bye. Bye.